Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. So last night I come home from work and we have to get the house ready for the party we're about to have. And, you know, we got to pick up something quick. So Amy's at Costco and she picks up like a Costco pizza. First and foremost, did you know that they're only it's 10 bucks? It's amazing, brother. It yeah. tastes amazing. I was so surprised at the price. I'm like, I always grab a slice cheap, there. Yeah. And and yeah, so she brings home like a, a whole like pie, right? And as the day goes like well the night the night goes on, like I'm just chipping away at this thing, bro. Like <laughs> near the Amazing. end of, <laughs> Amy's preparing like cupcakes and stuff like that for it. Uh this whole shebang. And she comes over like, Hey, I need you to taste this. And I'm just staring at her with like the most sorryful eyes because I just I'm like on slice like nine. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and I was just like, I, it's big. Oh yeah, and I was just thinking to myself like I I can't eat that. That you cheese can't. is amazing. <laughs> Tastes so good. I mean, for ten bucks, you can't beat it. I think exactly. like they're in the top ten for uh, the most sold pizzas. Yep. Like they're pretty famous. Yeah, pretty famous pizza. Which I think is pretty crazy. Just like you know, it's just you, you're gonna guess Papa. You're gonna guess all those like small chain. Well, I'm sorry, the more mainstream chains, but then no one really thinks about Costco. It flies underneath the radar. But man. hey, Costco is Costco, man. I gotta drop some money on that stock, bro. I don't care. <laughs> you're talking about recession proof. Like, I don't know. I don't think Costco's going anywhere, man. Yeah, I don't think so. We're gonna do a fun experiment where I'm gonna drink this coffee as we chat, and it's probably gonna turn out to me like slowly over the podcast, speaking faster and faster and faster until Caffeine we're just crash. no longer on the same topic anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm ready uh, for it. <clears throat> all right, so. Off air, we were talking about how we think it would be beneficial to kind of chat about our clinical experience so thus far, right? Even though it is limited, um, we do believe that what we've seen on the outside might benefit some people that are still on the inside. Because being in you know Palmer Clinic, it does attract a certain population where it's people that are not necessarily in uh, true issues, that true pain, true injury, stuff like that. It's more so like, you know, I have a little neck pain here and there where it you know, maybe if they move their neck a little bit more, they wouldn't really feel it. Um, so, you know, we're, we, we figured that we would just chat a little bit about uh, some of the more, let's say, serious cases compared to a neck ache. And yeah. I would just like to kick it off and ask you, Raul, is is there any memorable patient encounters that you think would be benefit beneficial to share? Um, Ever since I started a month ago, probably nothing too crazy mm -hmm. um obviously i've seen a lot of this herniation cases and extrusion cases which is pretty cool to see obviously not pretty cool for them but pretty fun for us as clinicians um i had this week i had my first patient that like cried a lot when we were talking so that was oh. the first experience that nobody prepared me for <laughs> um but yeah i mean we're seeing like real pain in really painful cases uh, rather than just seeing like a tight neck and just doing mrt or something like that you know yeah so let's let's go ahead and go down that rabbit hole because when you're on the outside you're going to see a lot of disc patients at least maybe maybe i'm just biased because i've seen a lot as well in the small amount of time i've been out and 
you know, maybe we should talk about or, or what, what you should and shouldn't do, right? Uh, the first thing that I would say is obviously just you got to cover your you got to cover everything, right? You got to see how bad the radiculopathy may be. So, you know, you do MRS and you do all these things, right? Is there anything that you like to do right off the bat to kind of either kill some of the pain down or symptom modify some of the pain to kind of get through your orthos? Or do you kind of just say like, hey, lay, lay down, I got to get through the straight leg raise and stuff like I that? I just tell them that it might be painful, but if, that if it's too painful after one or two exams, I can have a pretty good idea to know what's going on and I don't have to do anymore. Because if you keep doing ortho after ortho after ortho, you're just going to keep piecing off the pain and it's not fun for them yeah yeah most most dispatient like patients like you know when they say the 80 percent of the diagnosis is in the history so you got that right and then you do the mrs because you want to see how bad the radiculopathy is most people are going to tell you hey i have numbness and weakness in xyz you know some some i mean maybe school wanted to over prepare us but they're like always giving us a little bit of information but in my small clinical experience they give you everything <laughs> you know <clears throat> where they're just like yeah, I have this, this, and this. And then you you ask the red flag questions where it's kind of just like, are you you know having any issue evacuating your vowels or retaining your vowels? No? Okay. All right. So it's not as serious as we think, you know? Yep. And I've only had one through, actually through radiculopathy case. They had strength deficits, reflex deficits, and sensory deficits. The rest have been just referred or radicular pain, but no like deficits in reflexes or muscle strength or anything. Let's let's go down that 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 conversation, right? So, what would we do differently if somebody had a true radiculopathy versus somebody that has like just radicular pain? Me personally, I don't think I would change treatment, but uh, what I tell them would change <laughs> um, the natural history of just radicular pain or somatic referred pain, whatever it is. Uh, that case, um, it's a bit more positive, and they're probably gonna recover a bit faster than if it's an actual radiculopathy, like with no reflexes and no strength and no like feeling sensation. So just what I tell them that, hey, this might take a bit longer. Um, If you go to a surgeon right now, they're probably going to knife you down, but it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. Let's do this for like two months, three months, see how it goes. And then from there we can go. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's very important because, you know, it's easy to talk about it now, but when it's one-on-one in a room, and you got to deliver this bad information, well, just uncomfortable information, it could lead for you to be beating around the bush, maybe, you know, because you don't want to hurt their feelings, you don't want them to be set into a panic. So you're kind of like, uh, stepping on eggshells, trying to figure out how you can give this information without leaving them feeling like distraught. And I'll tell you what, there's times where um, I found myself um, reluctant to just kind of just say how I feel and how I think um, because I didn't want the backlash. And obviously you get over that because you can't just not tell them, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, you have to. It's your <laughs> so, duty. Exactly. So like you kind of just after the first and second time you, you get better at it and you kind of just come out with it. And then for me, what I, I kind of do now is I just, I come out with it and then I start to kind of give more background information. Like you have this and this is what is happening. But this, 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 and this, to kind of talk them down step by step, you know, um, which I think is very important because you and I both know most people with a quote unquote hot disc, uh, they're freaking out for the most part. You know, it's just their leg is numb. It's they yeah. can't put weight on it. You it's know, not a fun experience. 
Not at all. And I, I would say that, like, you know, as long as you're monitoring symptoms, they're not getting worse. There's no, like, extreme atrophy, you know, or atrophy that's getting worse over the period of time. Like, you know, trust the conservative care. Let the body do its thing. Um, and And also know when to call it. You know, there's also a point in time where it's maybe like, hey, like this isn't getting any better. Like this might need a hierarchy of care, um, which we need to also know when to pull that trigger. When when would that I know this is a very case dependent, but like where that line in the sand would be for you where it's like maybe we need a second opinion. I can definitely be more prone to recommending like um, injections first and see if it comes down a bit. Um, like one or two, because the more you do it, the less results you get. <laughs> yep. Um, and obviously, if they get like progressive neurological deficits, or if it's been like three months and no change, but with no change, I mean zero percent. If it's yep. at least something, I wouldn't go with surgery or anything. But if they haven't progressed or anything at all, they keep getting worse, then definitely I would recommend them and refer them to a surgeon for a second opinion. Yeah. You know, uh, what uh, opened up my eyes was the Medrol pack and bro, the Medrol pack that, <clears throat> so we have an MD that comes in once in a while and you know, they, we, if it's a really, really flared up case, we say, all right, come in on this day, the MD is going to be here. She's going to check you out and then most likely give you a prescription for a Medrol pack. I've seen people crawl in into this office, like, Oh my God, like terrible. And then they're on their third dose of the Medrol pack and they come in and like, they never had any issues. And it's just like, Oh, all right. Now that you feel great, let's wow. get on top of this. Let's get on top of this right now. So it's, I, the whole idea, and I, I, I maybe I'm getting on my soapbox here a little bit. The whole idea when you start chiropractic school, it's us versus them. That's what they're trying to build, right? It's no, the MDs try to shoo us out of the medical profession with the AMA, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, why can't you just use what works? You know, that we see the Medrol pack turn somebody that has debilitating pain, walk into the office ready for treatment, you know, like, and that's only a, it's a, it's, it's relatively cheap. And it's a what's well, a five day dosage, and I've seen people just go through that cycle of the five day dosage, and then just never had um, pain come back. You know, and, and you know what I'm saying. So that's a win it, in my book. Exactly, and just it's not if it's cost effective, and we're not using it like as a right like a Tylenol. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like it should be in your arsenal if if you have the ability to get to it. You know? Oh yeah, yep, I agree. They'll do so, anything to get a pain so. Yeah. And once it comes back to like creating that buy-in, you know, it's pretty hard to tell somebody like, trust me, you're going to be okay when their foot is numb, you know, like, like you sure I'm going to be okay. Cause I, I, every time I put weight on this, it buckles. So when you have the med draw pack going and like their pain is, is from a nine to maybe a, like a two or non-existent. Cause I've seen that as well, dude, the world is your oyster. Now, now, oh, yeah. now you have that buy-in. Now you can start changing her lifestyle factors and stuff like that. That may be the a good stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and yeah, I just, I'm learning a lot on the job, man. I didn't even know that you can just easily get a med draw pack like that. Oh yeah. I felt like a, like a good clinician for the first time because I had a patient come in offer an MRI review, which is basically I show her her MRI, what it means, what are the findings, what it doesn't mean, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she had had a previous experience with the Cairo, like super bad experience. And I'm like, so 
I told her what she has. I told her what it meant. I told her my professional opinion, and I referred her to a specialist. Um, and I told her, I'm probably gonna tell you this, but it's not needed. Like surgery is not needed because you're doing really well. She has like a one or two out of ten pain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with like four her acute herniations in her neck. So she's doing really, really well. Yeah. And I'm like, and she went to the doctor, and she came back. Uh, was yesterday Friday? Friday, yeah. And she was like, oh my gosh, the doctor told me the same thing that you told me. And I'm like, I told you. <laughs> Man, you know, like, but the thing is, is if you're taught to see something, you're going to see it, right? And I'm, I'm glad you, you forewarned them. I had a similar situation where they brought in, like, does it feel weird for you to, like, review an MRI for somebody? Because it definitely felt weird to me. At first it did, but... I, I enjoy it because I get to like educate them and it's my time to talk to them. So mm -hmm. they, um, the one thing I usually kind of, I, I, I cut off all the tension. I don't know. I feel the tension in the room when I'm loading up the MRI. Um, cause they're, they're ready for some type of bombshell. And usually the first thing I say is like, Oh wow. You know, I've seen something way worse than this. And they go, what? And they're like, yeah, there's some that I just want to vomit. You know, and I just make that joke. I'm not actually referring to a particular thing, but it, it, it definitely cuts the edge off. And they go, so what do you see? And it's just like I read the impressions and I'm like, well, well, that's a good sign. And then basically the latest one I had to review, she says, oh, to my understanding, it just seems like old lady arthritis. And then I just use that phrase for the rest yeah, of the MRI yeah. review. I'm like, you nailed it. MRI, you know, you just got old lady arthritis. <laughs> there you go. You know, so. It's it's pretty crazy how 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 quick you can learn at, at such a high repetition, and that's why we always suggest. I mean, maybe not side of the the doctor thing, but the be a personal trainer thing. You'd be surprised how from a week to week basis how much better you are at critically thinking and applying what you know to a different person because every person's so different that you have to see what knowledge you have and how you can kind of apply it to each person. Oh yeah, yep. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. Mm -hmm. So you get better in everything. There's um, and another thing that I so shifting gears. I had a a patient with a partial torn hair hamstring. So we think we didn't get the MRI, um, because he is progressing pretty steadily with his rehab and stuff like that. I put him on a milestone program. Basically said that, look, I don't want you to come in every week here. I want you to. Come in, let's get rid of the initial bite of the the injury, and then we're going to space you out, and you're going to come in, schedule the appointment. Once you can do these exercises, probably like with no issue, once that happens, then we're going to progress you to like level two. And I'm going to check you out, make sure that you're good before you go to level two. And long story short, I found myself... You know, because like orthopedic testing for what? For a torn hamstring, there's not really a lot. You kind of just test the stability of the, the, the two joints, and then you also test the strength. Well, yeah, we just, just test the flexion. Right. The thing is, is there's three hamstrings, man. So it's kind of like, and this guy's gun cocked, you know, just Jack Diesel, bro. So it's just like, all right, is he just compensating with the other two very strong hamstrings? Or is he like all three attached? So I found myself. Like I literally pulled up like a, I pulled up a, a Google image just to make sure I was on the right track. I was like, yeah, okay. So there's there's two insertion points on the inside of the knee and one insertion on the outside of the knee. <laughs> I looked for with my hands. I'm like, all right, well, at least they're there. So if the tore, if the tear happened, it's at the glute. It's at the glute side of things, Broken, you know? Yeah. So like, 
you know, the applied understanding of anatomy helps a lot, especially when you're making these these judgment calls. Because was hip extension painful? Was that hip extension painful or not? Um, it's a little painful. Um, he did say he felt a little pop uh, near the hip because the thing is, it's a very interesting injury because he he had the uh, injury when he did split squats. He was uh, deep in a split squat. Yeah. And that's where he felt the pop. No discoloration at the hip. No muscle ball at the hip. Uh, um, no muscle ball anywhere. And all three insertion points at the knee. So if there was a tear, it would have to be at the ischial tube. Yeah. Um, Yikes. And, and, and upon um, palpation, there was a like a dense mass. But it didn't feel like a muscle ball because, one, it didn't shift when he was actively using it. You know, saying it wasn't retracting towards the knee or anything. So it, it, what what I came to the conclusion after talking to some other docs, it could equally be just a, a hematoma. You know, it's, it's torn. The body's healing it, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's the type of things it's touch and go. And I was honest with him. I said, look, I don't have x-ray vision here. You know, like it could it could rightfully so be completely torn you're very strong you can compensate but you did progress very fast the discoloration was at the knee not at the hip and what do you think you know we have a great referral source to an mri where it's very cost effective i think it's like 300 bucks so if you want that ease of mind we can get that set up and he goes but it's not needed honestly exactly and i and that's kind of what i told him he goes well it seems like we're already progressing. We're doing well. Um, I think it's only a, uh, he says, I think it's only a grade two. Uh, if that, like if it's a grade three, it's minimal, you know, it's, it's very, very, um, barely, it's barely a grade three and, uh, we should just keep doing what we're doing. And I was like, okay, you know, and I think what I learned a lot from that, ex that encounter was just put it all out on the line. You are a human, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're a human that has more knowledge than the person in front of you, but you don't have to make the decision for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Put out the options. Give your it's honest up to them. Right. Exactly. It's And now you don't feel like you're you don't feel like you're forcing somebody to get, get an MRI. You're not forcing them to come back to you. You're just saying what you think, you know, and I and I think that we're not taught that enough. We're taught to yeah. fix Exactly. you know do this do that right so i learned a lot from that exposure and the other big clinical thing that i wanted to bring up was kind of back to the disc right um but before i go into the disc is there any notable other notable interactions or things that you want to bring up raul no not really yours are better <laughs> <clears throat> you know now now i'm going to I told you the the latest uh, excitement in my practice is now we're working on um, movement. Like so, basically, what one of the docs wants to do is okay. They got all this primary treatment, and now we're gonna try to transfer them into uh, exercise. A lot of people that come through the door don't know anything about exercise, and they want me to figure out a way to analyze them, what they're lacking, and then build a program for them. And it sounds fun. Right. But now I got to I got to create buy in with a system, you know, what I'm saying yeah. like create buy in it without doing the FMS. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hate the FMS so much. That makes two of us. 
you know, so I got to I got to figure out a way to make it universal. So it fits like a most patients, but I also got to make it, it individualistic because that's what yeah. really matters. Yep. You know, so that should be an interesting um, debacle or dilemma to figure out. That's what I'm going to do today. Pretty cool. Sit down. Seems pretty cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of potential there, but it's also a lot of juggling uh, yeah. old, old ideas, you know, I feel you. Um, so like, and that's the thing that I guess I could, you can also, we can also talk about before I go down another case study is, you know, when you're coming out of school, you're going into somebody else's system. You're going into somebody else's ideology that's been out of school for a very long time, because if it's yeah. a successful practice, it takes time to build. Oh, right. Yeah. And you're going to have to figure out where you can tote that line, where you can step on toes and not step on toes. And for example, if I'm taking on a client that is not necessarily my client, it's a, you know, a referral source from a doctor within, I'm doing what he wants. So for example, uh, this doc is older. He believes that you should not have your knees past your toes at any point during the squat. And now I'm juggling. Do I follow that? Which I most likely will. I'm not going to rock the boat. But as I build more rapport with the doc, I'm going to explain to him like, hey, did you know, you know, not letting the knees pass the toes, you're putting three times the pressure on the lower back. Is that what you truly want? If you do, that's fine. But I just want you to let you know, like, this is this is what the paper says. And I don't want you to kind of be operating off older information. But there are some docs that might take that as criticism. And some people don't like criticism. So, yeah, I, I guess the reason how that goes. Oh yeah, we'll see. You know, <laughs> um, I wanted to bring that up because you know that's that's the professional world. You know, the these docs. If you find a good place to go, these docs are opening up their practice to you, thinking that you know you're going underneath their wing. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah, it's not a part. It's not a. Sometimes yep. it's not a collaborative it's partnership. You under them, right? Exactly. Um, they know you have expertise. But, you know, things change and people don't like to be wrong. I mean, I don't like to be wrong. Nobody and, does. Right. And there's um, the whole idea, like when you violate somebody's um, understanding, they, it, I think they linked it. It's like the same uh, sensation as pain, right? The same areas in the brain get in lit brain, up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, when you prove somebody wrong, even if you're being super passive and trying to be super good it's like you're slowly putting a knife into them you know <laughs> so basically being wrong is painful <laughs> it is I, i'll be the first to tell you i i i'm growing up and i'm learning that like to not react to that that gut reaction of fuck you <laughs> you know human. we're human you know and you gotta like you know bite your tongue listen to the information because you're only gonna be better at it you like whatever you get even if it's like garbage information at least you have the ability to put it into your filter and be like oh maybe i should look at that you know yep, yep. we don't know everything so no no not by a long shot no, man to be wrong every week i'll tell you what, every week in practice I, I i realize i'm shoddy at something or i'm getting I, i'm i'm pretty good at something you know um i wanted to ask you this and we can wrap it up here uh because it's already 23 um how do you feel like your communication is going? Like when it comes to working with patients, because I feel like my patient interaction is just getting better and better every time I talk with somebody. It's getting way better. Like the relationship and rapport that I have with patients, it just it, 
it's a lot stronger now that I have more practice, more and more practicing patients day in day out. Um, and like they already like we already get to know each other. We do like jokes and they feel comfortable sharing information with me. Um, and as I mentioned before, like repetition is your best friend. Like if you don't practice communication, you're going to be shitty at communication. It's the same thing with the gym. If you go once per week, you're not going to get great results. So you got to keep practicing and repetition, repetition. Exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because uh, there was there was a time in, in place where I think it was this week where all right, when I first had my new patients here, I mean, like, because once again, independent contractor, I'm putting more pressure on myself that every interaction needs to be perfect because, you know, you want people to get better one, but you also need them to come back. And it's on it's on your interaction with this patient. So I find that 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 pressure is slowly but surely going away and things are becoming more natural. And I, I can't say that I'm doing anything different other than the fact that I'm just experiencing more and being able to read somebody is almost like a superpower. You know, I brought this up in the past and I'm going to bring it up again for the students that are, you know, working on their craft inside the clinic. I challenge you to look at the person in front of you. And I'm not saying that in a philosophical way. I mean, like literally, like what what is on their shirt? What type of shoes are they wearing? What are they doing? These are all points of interest. If you're like, man, I'm not having a good conversation with this person or we, we, we feel like there's a barrier between you and I, like what can I start talking about? Oh, dude, those are some nice shoes. What are those Nikes? And like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like that starts everything. Nobody's going to buy a shoe that they fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just like that is easy money to at least start a small talk conversation that might build into a genuine conversation. Or, you know, what I've been doing a great conversation because I actually get to know people for who they are and go, hey, man, it's 2022. Do you have any goals? And you get some big answers and it's just like for example there was a, a a grandmother that said like you know what i realized in 2021 i didn't prioritize myself at all and now in 2022 i'm, I'm gonna make sure that you know i do what i love to do and and i was just like that is deep what would you love to do and she started to express like her true passion and it's just like now i know what you truly like to do now anytime i bring this up Anytime I bring up photography, you know what I'm saying? And now, I don't know about you. If I talk about fitness, I can have a broken back. If I talk about fitness, I'm like, let's let's go do something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's us. So that's a good question to ask patients. Use it, man. Especially when it's dead ass quiet and the only thing's playing is lo-fi music in the background. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man, I got to have some conversation here. Yeah. And. Yeah, I just I thought that, you know, that that would be a good challenge for anyone that's listening is is see if you can thoroughly get to understand the person in front of you, not yeah. for their pain, but for what their ambitions are. Everyone has ambitions. Yep. You know, yep. you just got to find them or at least an interest. Right. I talked to a guy something. about yeah, Exactly. I talked to a guy about in, NFTs. I don't know anything. I about talked about NFTs, NFTs yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just told him, I was like, look, dude. I know nothing about this. Talk to me like I'm five because I'm I'm really interested. And if I don't have anything to say back, it's because I, j- I don't know what to say. I t- yeah, it's the truth. <laughs> and the whole time, he didn't stop. He didn't stop once. He just, for 30 minutes, just kept going. He's a crypto guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and I learned a little bit more about NFTs. So it was kind of like a knowledge exchange. That's what I think I, you know, what, that's what it is. It's kind of like I get to go to coffee 
with every person that comes and lays down on the table. You know, that's a good way to see it. And there's some people, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it'll always stop talking. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yep. There's something like that. A couple like that. Okay, so we're at 27 seconds. We're uh, 27 seconds. I'm sorry, 27 minutes. Uh, we're we're already surpassing our our deal of it being twenty minutes. Is there anything else you want to put in here? Not really. I think it was a pretty solid one. Honestly, I liked it. I liked it. You know, but we're also pretty biased, huh? Exactly. It's our <laughs> podcast. So. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to say the same thing that we said last week is if you're a frequent listener and you haven't reviewed the podcast in the recent couple weeks, go ahead and see what the review is. I know in Spotify, we only have like three reviews and we used to have like 24 reviews. So if you could take the time, give us five stars. It puts us up on the ratings and we would love you forever. Yep. Adios.